Greetings and welcome to the worship services of Alamo First Baptist Church. I'm Brother Chris Rigby. I'm standing here this morning in front of our bell. This is the original bell that was at our old location uh, years ago. It uh, was there when the church was first built and it was always a call to worship. Well, when we moved to our new campus here several years ago, we brought it with us. And not too long ago, we got to put it up. We're so excited about it because it reminds us that we're coming together into this building to worship. And we are excited that today you've decided to tune in to our broadcast to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our prayer this morning is that you will see the great love that Jesus has for you and the great love that we have for you as well this morning as we worship together. We look forward to meeting you and your family and we invite you to be a part of any of our worship services, our activities or ministries here. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, probably the best way to do that is just drop us a line at our email address, alamofirstbaptist at gmail.com. All of it spelled out, just gmail.com, alamofirstbaptist. We look forward this morning to worshiping with you. We pray God's blessings upon you and your family as we go inside now and we worship together. Let's go ring that bell for Jesus.
Good morning. It is good to see you this morning, this Sunday morning, as we are again gathered uh, upon social media primarily to worship together. Just a few announcements that uh, need to be made, and then we want to, of course, open our worship service uh, in prayer. Uh, all our budget requests for the 2021 uh, year needs to be submitted by November the 22nd. Our finance committee is going to be meeting and uh, they're going to have uh, their 2021 budget uh, proposal for us in December. We will, we will try to have a, uh, uh, a business meeting. I think uh, we're pretty confident we're going to do that. We think that we can spread out enough uh, in the uh, worship service here, the worship uh, uh, auditorium, and uh, we can at least get uh, some business done in December, and that's one of the items. So committees, be sure to get that in so that uh, the Finance Committee will have your request and they can uh, have all of that put together for us. Deacons, we were gonna meet uh, after the worship service today, but uh, due to a couple of uh, cases of COVID, even uh, in our deacons 
uh, group, uh, and uh, we're going to put that off to next week. So uh, next Sunday, after the worship service, we will have our uh, deacons meeting. We're continuing to operate uh, in an online uh, fashion through November. Uh, we wish we could be together. Our hope is that uh, in Christmas season, in December, we can at least get back to the worship opening and uh, uh, be together uh, for that. But we're going to continue to monitor the numbers. I think the numbers are still rising, uh, unfortunately. So we're going to just try to play it as safe as we can. Don't forget, though, November the 22nd is our Harvest Sunday. Uh, you can, um, of course, uh, give uh, online, and you can send it in by mail either way. Uh, P.O. Box 241, the bulletin's got the address on it uh, if you want to look at that online. It, uh, this year, the Harvest Offering is going to refurbish our piano. The cost of that is $9,000, uh, and uh, they're going to have it for about four months, and we're doing that this year also in honor of Miss Clovis Anderson, who has been uh, a, uh, a musician in our church for a long uh, period of time, and, and she's uh, served the Lord uh, with uh, great faithfulness. And, and um, anyway, uh, we're just doing that in her honor this year uh, as a special way of saying thanks to her for all her years of service. Uh, the only other thing that I can think of that I, I want to you to be aware of the uh, Christmas pictures with Santa that's going to be coming up uh, the first week of December and right now we are planning to have that and uh, Megan has got a sign-up sheet or she will have a sign-up sheet uh, going you can uh, I think do that either on Facebook or text her or call her they're going to be signing up sometimes and that way instead of having all the kids in here and all the families in here at one time we can kind of bring everyone in uh, at an assigned time and we can get some pictures with Santa this year. Uh, Santa's good with taking pictures and so uh, if you're good with coming to see Santa and uh, you can get as close as you want to. Some of the kids don't want to be close to Santa anyway, but uh, we'll get what pictures we can uh, and do that. But uh, just keep checking uh, Facebook and, and the dates on all of that and the times uh, we'll be out there and just get a hold of Megan and she'll get you signed up. But let's have a word of prayer this morning as we open up in our worship time. Let's give thanks for the offering that we received through the week uh, and uh, lift up our nation as we go through a time of transition uh, and uh, just continue to pray uh, for healing and for a cure to the uh, COVID issue that faces not only uh, us and, and our nation, but our world in general. Heavenly Father, this morning we love you and we thank you for loving us and gracing us with your kindness and your goodness. Lord, this morning we do, to, we do come together to uh, pray and to lift up each other, to, to pray for our nation, to pray for the leaders of our nation, to pray for our nation as we go through a time of transition. And, and Lord, just uh, we begin to uh, approach a new year and, and Lord, all the things that are before us. We continue to pray for a cure or a vaccine to this issue of COVID. Uh, Lord, we, we pray for that. Uh, we do miss the, the openness that we enjoyed life with just a little over uh, a year ago. Lord, we were uh, not worried about these kinds of things and able to go and, and, and just live life and uh, connect with each other in a, in a more uh, real and physical way. And Lord, we miss that. And uh, we know that 
whatever is happening in our world right now is not happening in any way uh, as a surprise to you, Lord, that you're aware of all things and you knew these things even before we would know them. And, and Lord, that uh, you have a divine plan and a purpose at work. And, and we're just trusting in that. And we know that you are our good and gracious Heavenly Father. But we do ask, Lord, for those things that we miss and those things that we uh, worry about and, and we want to be together again, particularly as a church, to worship. Lord, we pray uh, prayers upon the offering as it comes in. And Lord, you've been gracious uh, to continue to meet the needs of the church and the ministries that we want to do, Lord, by uh, the way of giving and continue to help us to be faithful in that. We pray for those that uh, perhaps are hurting during this time. There are many that have uh, had closures uh, in their jobs or, or perhaps in uh, their work. And, and Lord, just uh, maybe they're struggling and we, we think about them and we lift them up in prayer during this time as well. Lord, just be with us as we worship you this morning as we sing your glory and your grace. Just touch our hearts, direct our thoughts to you. In your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Aren't you glad that we're forever His? Blessed be His name. Blessed be Your name in the land that is plentiful, where Your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be Your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Every blessing. the name of the Lord and to understand that just as Job went through so much God completely restored him and Job said that the Lord gives the Lord takes away and regardless of what we're going through whether times of goodness times of sorrow 
we can always know that we can stand in the love of Christ. Darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand Chance when I stand in your love, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Shame no longer has a place to hide. of what is going on in our nation, in our, our cities, in our homes. Lord, we can always understand that you are there with us, that with uh, you, with one person, is always the majority. 
and I pray you'd help us to, to uh, not give in and to stand firm to, to what you tell us to do, Lord Jesus, and to, uh, just to be there knowing that, that death was arrested a long time ago when you died on the cross, you rose again on the third day, and you are always there to make intercession for us, Lord. You are in control, regardless of who thinks you're in control in this world. You set up the rulers of this world, and Lord, you, uh, you ordain that. And I pray you'd help us to see that when all is said and done, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We love you today, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. sorrow and dead in my sin Lost without hope and no place to begin Your love made a way to let mercy come in When death was arrested Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains. My orphaned heart was given a My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested, my life began.
Darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. But then Jesus arose without freedom in hand. That's when death was arrested and my life began. Oh, your grace so free washes Savior, uh, your word tells us that old things have passed. Behold, all things are new. And that from that point forward, that's when our true life began, Lord. That's when everything changed for us. And I pray for anyone there today that's listening to us online or that's here with us today, that they would see that today could be a life-changing day for them, where they would just accept you as their Lord and their Savior. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. We ask it all in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, praise team. And thank you again for being with us today online. Now take your Bible and open to Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, we were in Ephesians chapter 2 last week together. We looked at uh, really one verse there. And we talked about uh, how God being rich in mercy uh, has uh, loved us with uh, a great love. I want to expand on that verse and look at the verses surrounding it, verses 1 through 10 of Ephesians 2. We, we've been in a series, The Heart of Jesus, and we really come to the end of that series today as uh, we kind of wrap it up. And, we, you know, we've talked about the, the, uh, the different things that make up the heart of our Lord and our Savior. We talked about, for example, last week, the mercy of God. Not only the mercy of the Father, but the mercy that we have through the Lord Jesus Christ himself. We've talked about uh, all kinds of different things, his kindness and, and his goodness, his gentleness and his humbleness, all those things that make up the heart of our Lord and our Savior. And if you were to say or to ask, you know, Brother Chris, what do you want for us to have as a big takeaway from that series? What do you want us to carry with us uh, in 
I would put it into this, this one thing, that Jesus really does love you. He loves you with all of his heart. And I don't know about you, but that's such an encouraging thing uh, to know that, that, that God does love us in that way, not just in part, but completely with who he is. And, you know, there's, there's deficiencies in our life. There are places in our life where I know that maybe we find it hard to love ourselves. Uh, you know, we, we don't have to wonder whether or not others find it hard to love us. We probably have all had issues with other people in life where, you know, we could say, well, I could think of a few people that maybe don't like me, let alone love me. But, you know, it's a wonderful thing to know that God doesn't feel that way, never does, never has, never will. And, and when we talk about the love of, of God and the love of Christ, it is a complete and it, is, it, it really is a forever love. And it's in that thought that I want us to think about the topic this morning, that the heart, in the heart of Jesus, he holds us as trophies of his grace. Well, as we think about that, let's read verses 1 through uh, 10 together of Ephesians chapter 2. Listen to what Paul says here. He says, and you, speaking uh, to Christians, he says, and you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires, the body and the mind, and were nature uh, by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. And then this is where the verse turns. But God being rich in mercy, because the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that, now here's our focal passage this morning, so that in the ages to come, in the coming ages, he might show, now listen to this, the immeasurable riches of his grace. He's already talked about the riches of his mercy. Now he's going to talk about the riches of his grace. And he says, you can't even measure them. The riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Then he explains to us, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I think that I've told this story. It's uh, one I often tell, but I'll never forget the first trophy that I got in life, the first trophy for really anything. I was, uh, I guess it would have been back in the early 1970s, we were going, my sister and I were going to Hillcrest Baptist Church there in Jackson, and we were going to vacation Bible school. And 
I don't remember the class I was in, uh, really. I don't remember the teacher. I don't, I hate, hate to confess, uh, I don't know that I really remember any of the verses I memorized that week. Probably, I'm sure John 3, 16 was, was one of those. But I was a little fella, and we had verses that we were supposed to memorize, and uh, if we could memorize those verses, we got a prize. And I didn't know it, but the prize was a trophy. And, and I remember carrying home this little trophy, this little cup, little, little trophy at Hillcrest Baptist Church, VBS. Don't even remember the, the, the year it was. But uh, for a long time, that trophy was in my room growing up. I think it was actually probably in my bedroom all the way up and through my college years. It just sat there on the dresser. It was one of my proud achievements. It was the first trophy uh, that I ever won. I had a few more, didn't have a whole lot, but I had a few more that I got uh, throughout the years for other things, Little League and other kinds of things like that. I guess I often have thought about that trophy. God saw something in me that he knew as a little kid uh, with me that I didn't know at that time that, that he would call, have a calling on my life. And maybe that's one reason that trophy has always meant so very much to me. But anyway, we all like it when we get a trophy, don't we? You know, a trophy symbolizes an accomplishment. A trophy symbolizes a a declaration of an achievement. Well, when we read Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10, one of the things I think Paul is saying to us is that Christ has received a trophy for all that he has done, uh, for what he has accomplished under the Father. And what may be surprising is to find that you and I are those trophies. That's really what he's saying here, that we are the workmanship that has been created in Christ Jesus, uh, that he will uh, share with us uh, in the ages to come uh, his grace and his kindness towards us. Uh, he has seated us like a trophy into the heavenlies. Uh, what a beautiful picture of the victory that, listen, Christ had and gained but also has shared with us. So I want us to think about it this morning, and I think we see three pictures of what has taken place in our life that has become uh, that which is going to be eternal in terms of the victories of His grace uh, given to us. Uh, uh, you know, the greatest purpose in life, the greatest purpose, the greatest thing that you and I humanly can achieve in life is what? To live and do and work and breathe whatever it is, whatever we accomplish to the glory of God. Now you can do a great thing, but if it's not to the glory of God, if it's not to His honor, then it's a worthless thing. doesn't matter if you came up with a cure for cancer. As great as accomplishment that would be, if it's not unto the glory of God, if it's not done for His glory, then, dear friend, the Bible says that's, that's worthless. It's, it's, it's actually sin. So the greatest accomplishment, the greatest achievement, the greatest hope that we can have is that our life becomes that which is to God's glory. And what Paul tells us here in Ephesians 2 
is that Christ is going to make sure that in the end, particularly, but even now that our lives give the glory that is, is called for unto the Lord our God. Three things I want you to see. I want you to see, first of all, what I want to call our life before Christ. In verses 1 through 3, Paul talks about our life before Christ. And he gives us three pictures that we need to understand. Number one, he says, we were dead. Look in verse 1. And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Paul tells us how we were, what we were before Christ. We were dead people. We were alive with human life, but we were really dead in that humanity. We were dead in our, we were basically walking zombies. Uh, all that awaited us was death and the grave and judgment. You know, it's amazing what modern medicine can do for a patient. You know, today doctors can do so very much. And, and, and medical science is amazing. Uh, they can uh, remodel disfigured faces. I was reading an article of, uh, of uh, a person who had been burned very bad and they had gotten a face transplant. And it was amazing uh, to see. And they really actually remodeled that individual to look a lot like their old self and not like the person uh, uh, of that particular face. It was, it was, it was amazing. Uh, today there's uh, implant lenses and uh, artery bypasses and, and all kinds of amazing things happen. But you know, all of those things are done on what? A person who's alive. Once a person's dead, there's really not a lot that medicine can do for them. There's not really anything that doctors can do for them. About the only thing that they can do is what? Pull the sheet up over them, send them to the morgue or the funeral home and say, well, you know, we tried our best. But listen, God begins with dead people. God begins with those who have died in the fullest sense of the word. And he tells us how we've died. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. Think about those two words for just a moment. What does it mean to sin? What does it mean uh, to be cut off from God. And why are we cut off from God? Well, that first word, trespasses. Uh, we, we know that word. We see that word. You might go down the road. You might uh, pull onto a piece of property and there's a sign that says what? No trespassing. That word implies that there's a boundary there and that uh, only those who are permitted, only those who are allowed can go beyond the boundary. Well, God has set a boundary in life. He set a boundary uh, in our, uh, our living. Now, that boundary is His holy word. That boundary is the, the law of God. And anyone who goes beyond that boundary in their life, the Bible says, is dead. The wages of sin is death. So that trespass means to step beyond the boundaries that God has set. And the truth is every man, woman, boy, and girl who lives steps beyond the boundaries of God. We sin in some way. It may be to tell a lie. It may be to hate someone or to have a, a, a sinful 
uh, emotion towards someone. It may be uh, in an act that we commit or a thing that we do, or it may just simply be something we don't do. You know, we can sin not only by the sin of commission, but what they call the sin of omission, failing to do what we ought to do. And so we trespass against God all the time, don't we? But not only do we trespass, we sin. That word sin uh, is a word that means to miss the mark. It's the idea of someone who takes that bow and that arrow and shoots that arrow at a target. You know, there's a center, please. And uh, if it doesn't hit the center, it's missed the mark. And, and to sin is to miss the mark of God. God has a, a, a bullseye for your life. And, and what's that center? Absolute perfectness, absolute holiness. And so when you in life miss the mark that God has for you, it is sin. And again, the wages of sin is death. And so God begins with dead people. And Paul says we were dead. But not only were we dead, we were devilish. In verse 2, he says, we walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. Paul describes the way we live while we were in that spiritual condition of death. We followed the ways of this world. We were sinners who acted what? Like sinners. It shouldn't surprise us when the world acts like, well, the world. It shouldn't surprise us when the world acts like the devil, because it is of the devil. Uh, we live according to the non-Christian values of the system of the world before Christ. Uh, before Christ, we didn't really understand what drove us, what motivated us, what pulled us. And, and the Bible tells us, well, what, what energized us? Well, it was Satan the ruler of the kingdom of this air. Uh, we didn't realize that it was the flesh that lived within us, that fleshly nature to be selfish, to be greedy, to, to want for me, 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 uh, that tugs within us. Uh, we didn't understand that it was the world's influence around us. Uh, you know, there is really a herd mentality uh, in the world. You know, everybody's like, you know, you've got to get on board. You've got to go the way of the world. You've got to follow the crowd. And the crowd, of course, influenced by Satan, influenced by the flesh, is against God. And so Satan's the one who encourages us to have the ungodly values, the attitudes and actions. Uh, you know, I was trying to think how he could illustrate that. You know, you've probably at, at times have found yourself at a ball game. You know, you're there at a, at a sporting event or, or maybe a concert and the crowd gets energized and you begin to feed not only off the team, but the crowd. And maybe they begin to yell at the refs. And before you know it, you're yelling at the refs. You know, maybe they're shouting and, and, and screaming and, and cheering and applauding. You get caught up in that spirit of enthusiasm. Well, that's what happens when we are dead and lost before Christ. We, we get caught up in the way of the world. We get caught up in living in the values of this world. You know, one of the things that we just finished this election, it's been totally exhausting. I don't know about you. I mean, I stayed up the other night. I think it was like 1.30 and then I, I, I finally gave up the ghost and went to bed and, and uh, Pam stayed up a little bit longer and about 2.30, 3 o'clock she came to bed 
and she woke me up. She said, do you think he's won yet or anybody's won yet? And I thought, well, I don't know, but I was finally asleep. And then I was awake the rest of the, 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 the night uh, checking my phone. And I thought, that's just ridiculous. And so, you know, we're still just now finding out uh, the outcome of the election. But all of that to say, there was exit polls that were taken. And one of the things that, that was released in, in, in the exit polling numbers about America, uh, and it surprised me, 60% of Americans saw no problem in the issue of abortion. Frankly, I can't understand that. I, I just don't get that. I, I'm sorry. I, it, I, I don't understand how we cannot look at life in the womb and say that it doesn't mean anything. Uh, that, that goes not only, I think, against God's word, it just goes against, I think, human reasoning. So if the exit poll is right, it just is really, it's a sad commentary on our nation. We say, how can a nation, how can a people, how can a majority feel that way? Well, Satan's influence. And so what we get here is a picture of what we were before Christ. We were dead, we were devilish, and then he says we were depraved. Looked in verse 3. Among whom we once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out, he says, the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. You see, we not only are dead in our trespasses and sins, not only are we devilish uh, uh, in the influence, but we're depraved. You see, the thing that's wrong with us is not really uh, just what the devil encourages us to do. The things that, that's wrong with us is that we're, that we're sinners by birth and by nature. Uh, our birth nature is what uh, uh, we were given when we were born. Uh, most people don't want to believe that we're children of wrath. Most people don't want to believe uh, what the Bible says when it says the wicked are estranged from the womb and they go astray as soon as they are born, uh, are born speaking lies. That's what Psalm 58 verse 3 says. Most people don't want to believe what the Bible says when it says in sin, uh, my mother conceived me. Psalm 51 and verse 5, that prayer of David. Uh, uh, it was not that the act of conception was sin, but David was saying, when I was born into this world, I had a sinful nature. Most people don't want to believe that. Don't want to believe that we're children of wrath. But the truth is, we are. We are depraved. Uh, people are inherently bad. For example, do you have to teach your children to do wrong? I mean, you think about a little kid. Do you have to teach your children to do bad? Do you have to teach your children to be selfish? I don't know about you, but I didn't ever teach my kids those things. We had to teach our children to do what? The opposite. Share. Be nice. Be kind. Be considerate. Don't always cry, me, 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 me. We instruct our children to, to have good manners and, and, to, and to play nice and be good. Why? Because on the inside we are broken. We're broken when we're born. We come into this world with a sinful nature. And so here we are, our life before Christ. We're dead. We're broken. Uh, we're out of step with God. But then Paul says, look at our life now with Christ. And this is what he talks about in verses 4 through 6. 
But God being rich in mercy did something about the problem of our life. Why? Because he loved us. Because of the great love with which he loved us. And even while we were dead in our trespasses, even while we were worthless unto God, is one way of saying it, he made us alive together with Christ by grace you've been saved. You know another way of saying that is this way. You've been fixed by grace. By grace, God fixed you. Now what's grace? God's riches at Christ's expense. God, mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. Grace is what? God giving us more than we deserve. God gave us a gift of His grace. God fixed us. And, but God didn't just fix us. He gave us more than we deserve. He raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's the grace. He fixed us, raised us up, made us better, and He's placed us in a position of honor. Why? It's just a temporary fix? No. So that in the coming ages He can show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And so God has done all of this through His gift of forgiveness and grace. What has He gifted us with? Let me give you three things. He's gifted you with a resurrected life. What was dead in you, what was dead in us, goodness, righteousness, holiness, is now alive. What was estranged from you has now become a part of you. What you could not have, God has now given to you as a right of a new birth. I think the best way to kind of understand what we're talking about here, a resurrected life, is to go back and reread John chapter 3. We know the story of John 3. Uh, you remember Nicodemus, uh, the original night. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. You know, he was a, he was a righteous guy. He was a ruler of the Jews. Uh, you know, he was, he was an honorable man. He was a good man. Um, but yet something was missing. And he asked the Lord about, you know, what was missing in his life. You know, you know, what must a person do to have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Nick, unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Uh, unless you have this new birth, you can't have it. And you remember, and, and, and he didn't understand that. Well, how can you? And, and Jesus said, you know, this is a, a spiritual birth, Nicodemus. It's not a physical birth. It's something that happens when you put your faith and your trust in me. And you die to yourself. You are born anew. And you are given a resurrected life. Let me say to you, the worst form of badness is man's goodness. The worst form of badness is man's goodness. You know what that is? That's just another definition for pride. Man's goodness. Pride says, this is what I do. This is, this is me. This is what I can achieve. Salvation comes, listen, not by our good work, but by the grace of God. He gives us a resurrected life. That's the first thing that happens in Christ. Then we're gifted with a raised life. Look in verse 6. He's raised us up with him. Uh, we don't just get a new life by a new birth. We get a new liberty. Uh, a new liberty over sin. Listen to a uh, 
what the writer of Romans says, Romans 8, verses 3 and 4. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. In other words, there's no way you could ever be good enough to live up to the standard of God. So, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk, now listen, according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And so what he says there is, look, what the law couldn't do, what we couldn't achieve on our own, God now works out in our life by way of the spirit. Because there's now a new liberty over sin. Uh, we've sung that old hymn uh, uh, many a time, I'm sure. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. You know, in verse 5 of that old wonderful hymn, it says this. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the thalus clean. His blood availeth for me. He's broken the power of canceled sin. What does that mean? It means that sin which had a hold of me, a sin which ruled over me, no longer has that power over me, no longer has that strength over me. And I'm not, I, I, I'm not governed by that. I'm governed by the Spirit. God has set me free to live for Him in a way I could never do on my own. Another beautiful picture of this is found in John 11. You remember the story where Jesus has been told about his friend Lazarus has been sick, and he said, you know, uh, this is really a sickness. It's unto death, and, 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 and Lazarus has died, and they, he goes, and he's outside the tomb, and he weeps, and, he, and he's, he's mourning with those. But, and Jesus calls Lazarus out of the tomb, calls him by name, and the old preacher says, you know, if he had spoken Lazarus' name, every dead body in the gra graveyard that day would have jumped up. But he, he, he called Lazarus out, and Lazarus came out. And you remember what he said? He said to everybody else, loose him from those grave clothes and let him go. It's a beautiful picture of what happens to us in Christ. When, when, when we are saved, listen. The power of sin has been canceled in our life. We've been loose from the grave clothes, that, you know, those mummified clothes of walking around in. Uh, you know, sin doesn't have the power on us anymore. Satan doesn't have the power over us anymore. We've been set free. So we've been gifted not only with a resurrected life, and a, but a raised life, and listen, a rested life. And raised up with him, and I love this, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Imagine the awesome wonder of it. God has seated us on his thrones, on his glorious thrones. In Christ, we're already seated where he is. God has covered us in Christ so that when he looks at us, all he sees is Jesus. No matter how or when God looks at you, he sees Christ. 
He sees the beauty of his holiness. He sees the, uh, uh, the completeness of his faithfulness. He, he sees the, the, the beauty of his glory, the splendor of his person. When he looks at you, when God the Father looks at you as a child of God, he sees his son, Jesus, in whom he's well pleased. The Old Testament likens uh, uh, example to that is... Uh, there in the tabernacle in the Old Testament, uh, they took those uh, uh, Asia trees uh, from the Asia grove and they would uh, uh, hewn out those uh, timbers and they would bring them into the tabernacle. But before they would put them up, they would encase them in gold all around. And so when you saw them, all you saw was the gold. You didn't see the wood. That's what Christ has done for us. When God the Father looks at us, all he sees is the glory of his Son. He has seated us together in the heavenly places. You know, if we could start at some point on earth and draw some imaginary line upward from earth to heaven to where Christ the, Father, uh, Christ the Son is next to God the Father, we could draw that line and we could take that line and we begin to go up from earth. And, you know, at some point we would cross the, the, uh, the point of the highest mountain uh, in our, in, in, in our uh, world. And we could keep going. We could hit the clouds and the stratosphere. We could go beyond the radiation belts uh, that kind of girdle this globe. And yet our line could still go higher still. We could begin to trace out that line and we could begin to go out among the stars and further into the starry heavens and on out into the Milky Way and, and into the nearest and then furthest galaxies. And finally, we might would leave behind the most remote star in space and at some point perhaps cross that great divide between space, matter, and time. And that line begins to go through the great pearly gates of the glory land. And there, climbing even higher beyond the shining sentinels of the gates of heaven towards the towering peak and ultimately there of the Mount Zion of heaven, we would finally reach the dizzying pinnacle peaks of the glory of God. That's where Paul says he has made for you and I to sit. He has raised us up from the tomb and he has placed us on a throne. But don't miss this. This isn't a future thing. This is a present thing. Here in Ephesians 2, 5 and 6, when he talks about made us to sit into the, the heavenly, they're, they're, that's given to us in the, in the aorist tense of the Greek language. In other words, it is something that has already been done. God has already done this. Now, if that's true, and it is, then let me ask you something. What do you really have to worry about here on earth? I mean, if God says in his heart, in his mind, and in his work, and in his action, he's already made you the victor and already put you on the throne with his son, then what does it matter what happens here on earth? You know, if Satan wins a battle or two, you know, if, if there's one or two uh, uh, folks that stand against God, that, 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 that profane his glory and his beauty, 
Folks, we're not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory. We have already won the battle in Christ. That's our present life in Christ. We're more than conquerors in Christ. But there's also this final picture, our life to come, in verses 7 through 10. Paul tells us here, he says, let me just tell you that what's coming is so so wonderful, I can't even measure it. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It's a gift from God, not a result of works, so that no one may uh, boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let me give you three things real quickly here about what's to come. God says what is to come is this. We will enjoy God's eternal pleasure given to us. You know, we have a God that likes to give good things. Christmas is coming, and I'm so excited. This is going to be, for us, the first year in which we really get to give a gift to our granddaughter. And, and she knows that, hey, this is Christmas, and, and, and this is a gift that people do, and, you know, she's going to open it up. We've already kind of seen that in the first birthday not too long ago, uh, being one year old. We're excited about the Christmas. And so we want to find the special gift. We want to find the gift that, you know, just going just gonna to touch her little 18-month-old heart. And uh, I, I think I found one this, this week, and I actually ordered it off Amazon, and I got it the other day, and I'm excited about it. I told Pam, I said, I wanted to get something that come from Granddaddy. I want her to know this is Granddaddy's gift. You know, this is what I got her, you know. So anyway, I'll be a little disappointed if it's not the most special. But anyway, I'm going to try my best. But that's God the Father with us. He takes pleasure in giving us the good things out of his grace and kindness. I mean, think about the good things of God for a moment. You ever enjoyed a sunset? You ever looked at a sunset? Man, what kind of God creates that? You ever looked at a, a, a mountain a scene or an ocean scene, something in nature, and you go, what kind of mind can come up with that design? Paige, you're here today. You're an artist. Uh, I get tickled. Sometimes we get Paige to do something, and she'll, she'll come up with something, and I think, Man, it's just something nuts about somebody that can see that in their mind and then make it happen. I mean, the scenes that she'll paint and draw out. But God, he, he works in living colors, doesn't he? Moving pictures and touching pictures. I mean, he, he, he touches us on all the senses, not only what we can see, but what we can touch and feel and sense and, and smell. And God says, you know what? You ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> you think you've seen some of my power? Just hold on to your britches. I haven't even started being good to you. You know, the only way to describe what's coming, it's going to be heaven. <laughs> going to be heaven. We enjoy the, uh, the, the eternal pleasures that God has to give to us. But secondly, we enjoy the eternal 
plan that God wants to give to us. Verses 8 and 9. God has something eternal for us to do. Uh, you know, when we, we started this, this COVID shutdown stuff that we're going through, I, I'm not going to, you know, that first week or two, I was kind of like, oh, it's not too bad. It's kind of like a mini, mini paid vacation, you know, and kind of all take a break. I want to tell you something. I'm sick of it. I'm so sick and tired of being partly shut down. I was writing in my journal the other day. I said, Lord, I'm just so sick of this. I, I, I want something to do that, that, that has meaning and purpose. And it's hard to come up with something that, that makes life worth living every day. And, and, you know, you feel like you actually accomplished something, that you did something of value. You know, heaven wouldn't be heaven. Eternity wouldn't be wonderful if we got up there and we were bored senseless. I, we think we got a lot to do now. I, I, I will tell you, I believe we're going to get to heaven. And we're going to get there and we're going to go, man, look at this agenda. <laughs> Every day he's got something. I mean, you know, I, we're not going to have... We're not going to have to sit around and try to amuse ourselves. Think about the things that we created in this world just to occupy our time. I, the worst that we typically feel is what? When we have nothing to do. So what? We, we, we look for something to read. We look for, I, I mean, you know, I don't know about you. I don't know how many subscriptions we got to, you know, different uh, 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 streaming things. You know, Netflix, and Amazon, and Disney, and and, and I'm amazed. I, I, somebody put out a thing the other day, uh, a, a, a picture of an old uh, TV guide. And it had like channel 3, channel 5, channel 7, 13, 24, 16, and maybe a couple others. And that was it. I mean, you know, so at any given period of time, you had maybe at best, and this was never me growing up, we only had like four channels we could get. Uh, and, and that was because... I was set outside to turn the antenna, you know. Uh, I've been there and done that, you know. Turn that antenna. Daddy crying, crying out the, the, the window. Stop! Stop! You've gone too far. Go back. We'd tune in Memphis. We'd tune in Jackson. We might get something out of Martin. Man, there's a hundred channels. Thousand channels. I mean, and then you got YouTube and, and, and all of that. And I don't know about you. Have you ever been there and you go, man, there ain't nothing on I mean, you got more channels to watch than you ever dreamed of. And you're still just bored out of your gourd. Nothing to watch, nothing to see. Heaven's not going to be that way, folks. We're not going to be looking for something to keep us occupied. God's going to have, he's got a purpose and plan for us. We're going to enjoy the eternal plan that God has gifted to us. And we're going to enjoy, finally, God's eternal purpose glorified in us. And here's what's going to make it all the more wonderful. Not only are we going to have things to do, God is going to allow us to do it in a way that we've never been able to perform before. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to be the strongest person ever, the fastest person ever, the uh, smartest person ever? I mean, think about it. How, how, how would you like to be 
for example, the strongest and the fastest person ever. And imagine today, you know, NFL's kicking off and you get to play NFL football. I mean, could you imagine going out there on the field with those big giants and you could just flick them off of you like fleas? You could run and they could never touch you, let alone tackle you? I mean, the game would be really unfair for them, but it'd be fun for you, wouldn't it? Could you imagine going into old college or some kind of upper-level Ivy school and you've got, you know, Mr. Spock's brain and his ability to know all these things? That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Would you worry about a test, a paper? No. You could knock that out just like that and make an A++. When you get to heaven, when we get to heaven, dear friend, we're going to be so gifted in the glorified body that nothing's going to be a struggle for us. We're going to be able to perform at the highest level. We're going to be able to perform at the highest peak. I, I like what Dr. Graham used to say. He said, you know, I believe I'm still going to get to preach in heaven. He says, I believe that God's going to send me to remote places in the world that I've never heard of. And he said, and I believe I'm going to be like Jesus. I'm just going to pop in. I'm going to pass through walls. I'll just float up in the clouds. Isn't that a wonderful thought that what God's got for us? Years ago, and I think I may have told this story, but let me close with it. Years ago, I was sitting in, in Will's room, and I think I was playing PlayStation because I was bored, didn't have anything to do. And uh, I don't know where Will was at. Kaylee comes in. She's in high school. It's her senior year, and She's, she's there, and, and, and she's bored, and she's watching me play PlayStation, tell you how bored she was, uh, you know, senior in high school. She's looking around in Will's room, and she says, Dad, do you think I'll ever shine? And I said, Baby, what, what do you mean? She said, Well, I'm just looking at these trophies in Will's room. She said, Will's played a lot of sports, and there's been moments where he's kind of been the, the main person. She said, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to play sports, but I've never been the, the person the team depended on, and I've never had a moment to shine. I want to shine once, Daddy. And uh, I said, well, baby, I'm going to tell you, you shine every day. Uh, you shine for me and your mama every day. I don't, you know, you're the most beautiful daughter, and and we just love you so very much. But, and I think you shine for God. Wasn't but a couple of days later, uh, they had played their first game. They played over halls, a volleyball game. And uh, she got 13 kills in that game. I don't forget sitting there at hall, sitting there. And I could see her through the, the, the net as the game was winding down. She looked up at me and she gave me the thumbs up. I knew what she meant. She had shined that day, what she'd always wanted to do. On her wedding day, I got to walk her down this aisle right here. Coming in, I told her, I said, baby, I want to tell you one thing. If there's ever been a day you've shined, today's your day. You're shining, honey. Can I tell you something as a child of God? You and I, we've got a day where we're going to shine. We're going to outshine the sun, the S-U-N. 
Because on that day, we're going to be like the S-O-N, the Son of God. We're going to shine in His glory, to His beauty. And what a God we, we have that loves us. Listen, He loves you and I so very much that He, he didn't just want to save us. He wants to gift us with His grace and kindness through all eternity. He wants to share what is rightfully His with you and me. Sons and daughters of God. What a God. So when we think about the heart of Jesus, what does it mean? It means that God loves us. That Jesus really does does love us. He doesn't just love us right now. He will love us forever and forever and forever and ever in days without end. Well, there will never be no more nights. Forever. He loves us. Heavenly Father, perhaps someone today is listening and it's finally dawned on them that, that, that God, you love them. And maybe the rejection and maybe the putting off of coming in faith and receiving that gift of grace has finally come to that point where they're ready to lay it down. Because they finally see that, God, you love us. And you've loved us when we were dead in our sin, when we were lost. And God, not only have you loved us and resurrected us when we come to you, but you gift us with more than we could ever ask for. And not just now, but for all eternity. And Lord, this morning, maybe someone listening says, I want to be that child of God. I want to receive that gift of your grace. And the question is, how do I do it? Well, it's simply done in this prayer, a prayer of faith that says, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I confess my sin. And I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sins and be my Lord and my Savior. That simple prayer brings someone a new birth. And Lord, today as Christians, we celebrate with anyone who's prayed that prayer. And as Christians, we intend to go from this point and live in the victory that you won, Jesus. The victory that you claim for us. Not bound in sin, not held in bondage, not a prisoner anymore. Death has been arrested. Sin has been arrested. And we have a new life in the Spirit of God to live to your glory and to your honor. And what is our good? All this today, Jesus, we ask and give you. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. We pray God's blessings upon you as you worship with us today. If God has led you to make a decision today for Jesus, we would love to hear about it. We invite you to come to our website, cometothecross.net. Our online decision card will allow you to tell us about the decision that you're making. All decisions, all contacts are kept private and are confidential. However, we would be able to pray for you and perhaps I'd even be able to call you and pray with you 
about what God has led you to do, if you so desire. So fill out the form, let us know, and just know that we love you and God loves you. And we're excited that you're taking this first step for God today. Thank you.